HN Podcast. I am John Miller rocking the mic solo tonight. Steve Dace is out on assignment, not for the HN Podcast, but uh, on his own assignment. So he gets the night off. So it's just you and me. And I'm looking forward to that. I want to say thank you again for their sponsorship all winter long. Exile Growing Company has been a fantastic sponsor of this podcast. We appreciate them coming on board. Um, I know the feedback from them has been good because you listeners to this podcast have done such a great job of letting them know that you heard about them on the HN podcast, um, especially on Twitter. A lot of people uh, tweeting in pictures of where they've picked up some of the beers uh, from Exile saying, hey, I just got around to trying this because of the podcast. It means a lot to us when you do that because that definitely is a tangible thing that advertisers like to see. Spending money on advertising is not an easy decision because oftentimes you don't get a tangible uh, return on investment or at least that you can track unless it's a specific call to action type of sale where bring this coupon in and you get 10% off something that's how you can track things but something like what Exile did here um, it's difficult to track unless they get feedback from people so thank you all for doing that that is a great way to pay us back for providing these podcasts for you as well and thanks to Exile for stepping up. Um, if you have a business, a product, a service, a widget, and believe that reaching you know, 20 to 30,000 uh, people each and every episode of a podcast is something that would be good for your business, um, you know, drop me a line at jdmiller71 at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Hawkeye Nation, um, and I can get in touch with you and tell you uh, more about our numbers. Um, sorry for those of you who are not potential advertisers, but I, I want to say thank you again for, for listening to this as much as you do. Pretty much every time an HN podcast drops and goes live on iTunes, we rank anywhere from number one in the nation uh, in the, or I guess the world if you consider iTunes is a national thing, um, but specifically the nation because of our category, number one in America to number six or seven in America. Every single time one of our podcasts drops, we rank that high with this podcast because it's developed such a very large subscriber base. So thanks to you listeners for that. And if you're a potential advertiser, someone that wants to get their word out, this is a pretty darn good place to do it. I used to have a radio show on KXNO in Des Moines, a great station. I know what our ratings were uh, with the um, Miller and Dace in the morning show. We were number one in the market for six out of the eight um, ratings periods that we were there. And, you know, we had 15 to 18,000 listeners per quarter hour. This podcast ranks right up there and exceeds that. And this is a powerful medium to reach people. Anyway, enough of the commercial. I want to keep talking about Iowa basketball. I know Hawkeye football, spring football has begun. Kirk Ferentz had a press conference this last week. Um, it really wasn't anything earth-shattering out of that. And, and we'll circle back around and talk plenty of football. We'll talk with Rob Howe of HawkeyeNation.com about that here this spring session. But I'm not ready to let basketball go yet. And I'm not going to talk so much about the season that was. I believe that I've done quite a bit of that. I want to talk more about next season. Um, the future for Iowa basketball, in my opinion, is as bright as it's been. Golly day. Um, I'm putting myself on the spot here. I, you know, I don't have a script of where to go with these. I have an idea of what I want to show you tonight, a very specific idea. 
but I, gosh, when was the last time I would have been this optimistic going into, you know, a season two or three run? And I, maybe the eighties, maybe, well, I mean, when Utah was going into his junior year, uh, I think that was, was that Aaron White's senior year? I was pretty pumped up about that. So we don't have to go back into the way back machine to the eighties too far. But when I take, talk about a two or three year run, this this is pretty rare territory. But let's talk about next year before we talk about a two or three year run. You've heard me mention several times, and you don't need to hear it from me. You can do math as well with regards to what Iowa has returning next year. I spent about four hours this past week aggregating statistics of the seven-ish or so Big Ten teams that I think Iowa is going to battle next year for a top four conference finish. I wouldn't be able to begin probably, well, I'll still probably try, to say who's going to finish where or exactly where I think Iowa will finish because there's still some NBA decisions that have to be made in the coming weeks. But I think that there's seven teams right now that will comprise the top four of the Big Ten standings next year. I think those seven teams are Iowa, Michigan State, Minnesota, Northwestern, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Purdue. Wisconsin loses a ton. I'll get to that in a minute. But if you don't include Wisconsin amongst your teams that can finish in the top four, you do so at your peril since they've finished in the top four of the Big Ten standings for, what, the last 16 consecutive years, something along those lines, every year of the Bo Ryan era, and now the first, you know, first full year of the great guard era as well as guard taking over for Ryan last year. So you have to include them, but boy, this might be the year that you don't want to. Let's begin looking at what Iowa returns. They lose Peter Jock. Dale Jones won't be back. Charlie Rose um, was a walk-on, didn't do much. So here are the percentages of what Iowa returns for next season. As far as a percentage of minutes played, 85.6% of their minutes played returns for next year. That is a very high number. It's not the most amongst the seven teams that I just mentioned. Iowa's uh, three-point field goals made per game, and Iowa set a school record for the most three-pointers made in a season. Um, Let me see if I can find out that number. I probably, I might not have it here. Yeah, they made um, 300. I believe that's the most that they've ever made in a season. Iowa returns 71.7%. That is not the most returning percentage of any team in the league. Although you can get caught up in some of these percentages. Like, I'll skip ahead to blocks. Iowa returns 97.7% of their block shots for next year. Minnesota returns 97.4%. So Iowa returns you know, three-tenths of a percentage point more blocks from a percentage-wise standpoint than Minnesota. But Minnesota returns a lot more blocks because Lynch, damn near by himself, blocked as many shots as did the whole Iowa team. So you got to take some of these into consideration. Offensive rebounds, Iowa returns 91.4% of their offensive rebounds. Defensive rebounds, 82.4. Total rebounds, 85.1%. Now, Iowa does return the most offensive rebounds from a percentage standpoint of any team in the Big Ten. And as I mentioned, the highest block percentage. Um, 
in as far as assists. Iowa returns 85.7% of their assists. And I believe the 602 assists this season is also a school record. I'm not 100% sure on the 300 three-pointers is a school record. I think that it is, but I know the 602 assists is a school record. And Iowa returns 85.7% of the assists as Jordan Bohannon finished with 175. I think that's top six all-time in a season at Iowa. Jordan Bohannon's 89 three-pointers. Also top seven or eight, maybe even better than that, three-pointers in a season. I mean, Jordan Bohannon had one of the best freshman seasons in the history of Iowa basketball statistically. I'm not saying he's the best freshman ever to play for Iowa. I'm saying statistically, he had one of the best seasons ever put forth by an Iowa freshman from the numbers. Undeniable, can't be denied. Um, a few more percentages. Uh, they return, Iowa returns 86.5% of its steals. And they return 76.6% of their points scored, which is 61.67 points per game. Also a great number, but would you be surprised to know that is the third highest amongst the seven teams I believe are going to compete for a top four Big Ten finish next year. Iowa 61.67 is behind Maryland's 69, behind Minnesota's 66.2, and Northwestern is nipping at Iowa's 61.67 heels at 60.7. So there's Iowa for you. Iowa finished 10 and eight this past year. They return a ton of production, that's undeniable. But the whole point of this exercise, that this podcast episode that we're doing, is maybe to reset expectations a little. I'm not trying to, trying to dumb them down because I have high expectations. This was a bit of a reality check for me when I went through this exercise, so I just wanted to pass along what I share. Let's go to another team, Minnesota. Gophers finished 11-7. and seven. They should have actually been the team that was 10-8 and eight in the Big Ten, and Iowa should have been 11-7 and seven because... Iowa got a game stole up in the barn, but we'll move on from that. Would have also been Iowa in the NCAA tournament, but whatever. Minnesota returns 88.8% of their minutes. Iowa, 85.6. Minnesota returns 67.9, so basically 68% of their threes in the same neighborhood as what Iowa returns. Minnesota returns, you know, I was wrong. Iowa does not have the highest offensive rebound percentage returning at 91.4. Minnesota does at 95.5. So my apologies there if that ruins the rest of your day. Um, Assists, Minnesota returns 92.7. Blocks, as I mentioned, 97.4. And they by far and away had the most blocks of any team in the Big Ten. And I've got my Ken Pomeroy pulled up here. I'm going to click on Minnesota just to see where they ranked uh, as far as blocks in the country. Let's see here. Block percentage. They were second in the country in block percentage. So they returned pretty much all of that. When you return Lynch, arguably the best shot blocker in college basketball, you're going to return a lot of your blocks. Um, 90 Basically, 91% of their steals come back. 88.1% of Minnesota's points return. Iowa is at 76.6, and we know Iowa returns a ton. Minnesota returns more, and Minnesota returns 66.2 points per game. Iowa at 61.7. Minnesota is going to be very good next year. Very good next year. Let's go to Northwestern. Cinderella story. 
making their first NCAA tournament, winning a game there. Maybe they should have won two, but they won one in their first ever tournament. They return 80% of their minutes to Iowa, 85.6. 78% of their threes come back more than Iowa. Um, 86.5% of their assists return more than Iowa because Corey McIntosh comes back. Um, 87% of their blocks, 85% of their steals, 85% of their points, which is more percentage-wise than Iowa, but they return about uh, a half to a full point less than Iowa returns. Northwestern, they're going to be a very good team next year. Very good team. Let's go to Purdue. I'm making an assumption with Purdue. I make an assumption that Caleb Swanigan is going to turn pro. The two mock drafts I looked at before I did this podcast, Draft Express and NBADraft.net, both have Swanigan going late in the first round. I don't possibly know what Caleb Swanigan has to prove at the college level. I think he's one of those players that if he returns, all he would be doing would potentially be hurting his draft stock, unless next year's draft crop of power forwards, stretch fours potentially even, because he can play a face-up four. I mean, he was, you know, he shot close to 93 pointers and made close to 40% of them this year. I don't think that he has anything to prove. He had 28 double-doubles, I think a Big Ten record. He has nothing to prove on the college level. I think he turns pro. So I'm running Purdue's numbers with Swanigan leaving. They still return 78.6% of their minutes. They still return 86% of their threes. Uh, obviously, obviously, rebounding is going to take a hit. 68.7 offense, 61.8 defense. Assists, 78%. Blocks, 66%. Steals, 84%. Points, they return 75% of their points, even with Swanigan gone which is a bit of a surprising number when you look at it. He scored 628 points out of their 27, 20, 2,724, but the only other two players that are not going to be there, Albrecht and McKeeman, they only combined to score 51 points. So 75.1% of Purdue's points return for 60.1 per game. And that would rank fourth, fifth in the league. So Purdue... A team that went 14-4 and four this year. Not a stretch for me to think that they could win 11, 12 games next year. As, as long as Isaac Haas returns and everybody else, they come back. They're going to be a good team once again. Let's look at the team that shocked the living heck out of me. And I do make a pretty big assumption with Maryland. Maryland went 12-6. and six. They tied with Wisconsin for second place this year. I'm making an assumption that Melo Tremble comes back. Tremble should have gone pro after his freshman year at Maryland, but he didn't. His sophomore campaign hurt his draft stock, so he returned. This last year, he had a very good season for Maryland. But I don't know that... I mean, I, I think Tremble can actually help himself by going back to Maryland, having another great year, and leading that team to a Big Ten championship or a deep run in the NCAA tournament, I think Tremble can actually help himself. I, I don't know that he's going to hurt himself by coming back to Maryland, where I think Caleb Swanigan absolutely 
could potentially hurt himself a little more exposure if he returned to Purdue. I don't think that's the same thing for Melo Trimble. And in the Draft Express mock draft, you know, and the NBADraft.net mock draft, both of those mocks have been updated the last couple of days. And I record this on March the 26th. Melo Trimble is not in their first two rounds. I don't see Trimble anywhere unless he just is tired of school and wants to go make money in Europe or sees what Yogi Ferrell did with the Dallas Mavericks this year. Ferrell went undrafted and got a 10-day contract with the Mavs and turned that into a two-year guaranteed deal because of his exceptional play. Trimble could do that. I don't think that he will. I think he'll return. So when I look at Maryland statistics, I plug in Trimble coming back. They lose one player in Dodd. So here's what Maryland returns. 92.3% of their minutes, number one amongst these seven teams that I looked at, maybe number one amongst all Big Ten teams. Three-point field goals, they return 100% of what they did this past year. And this past year, Maryland made 272 three-pointers. Iowa, for comparison, made 300. They return 100%. Um, They return 94.6% of their defensive rebounding, 97.7% of their assists, 97.2% of their steals, 93.4% of their points, and 69 points per game. All those statistics that I just mentioned with regards to Maryland are number one amongst all these seven contenders that I have. They're number one of all the teams in the Big Ten, or at least the seven. I'm assuming it's also the other eight. I think it's a safe assumption to make that they would also, if they're number one amongst these seven, they're going to be number one amongst the other the other eight. Illinois loses a ton. I think, you know, some of you might be saying, John, how come you're not including Indiana amongst your your numbers here? I think they're going to lose OG Ananobi to the NBA. I think they're going to lose Thomas Bryant to the NBA. And even if they lose one of those players, I don't think the Hoosiers are going to be a top four team. So you may disagree with that. Some of you are saying, hey, what about, what about Michigan, you know, um, Wagner and Wilson? They could return. You know, Michigan was one of the worst offensive rebounding teams amongst Power 5 teams this year. They were the worst in the NCAA tournament. And when you saw them lose to Oregon, that was an Achilles heel. They had a great run, not trying to take anything away from what they did. They lose Walton, who was the heart and soul of that team down the stretch. So I don't think Michigan's going to vie for a top four finish in the Big Ten next year, even if Wagner and Wilson are still there. Both players, I think, will put their names into the NBA draft uh, evaluation list, and I think both should. Uh, Wagner probably could return to Europe and make millions of dollars per year right out the chute. But I think the way that he played in the NCAA tournament, he may have higher sights and may want to stick around and do the NBA thing. Who knows? One or both of them could elect to uh, turn pro. Wilson, his skill set, he's rangy. He is a player that the NBA is definitely going to love to have at some point in time. He's got a ton of upside. I think he comes back, though. I think they'll both use the evaluation opportunity to their advantage, which that's what it's there for. But I think both return. But still, I don't think Michigan is going to finish in the top four. Last team, uh, there's two more teams I haven't talked. And I'm I'm going to publish articles this week. I, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you in a podcast, which is not really a good idea. 
podcasts need to tell stories, need to extrapolate, need to provide analysis and statistical analysis and podcasts can sometimes get lost and you get a little brain lock. So I'm going to write capsules on each of these teams as well as talk about who they have coming in. That's the missing picture to this podcast is I'm not really talking about recruiting classes coming in on top of this returning production, but I just I think these are going to be the teams. Michigan State, they returned 68% of their minutes, 78% of – oh, by the way, my assumption with Michigan State is that uh, Bridges is going to go pro. He's in the top 15 of every mock draft I can find. I think he'll turn pro. Probably hurt – I think he's a lottery pick. So I think that he will not – be back for Michigan State. 69% of their minutes, 79%, 79% of their threes, um, 75% of their assists, 62% blocks, 65% steals, 43.6 points per game. Now that's nowhere near where these other teams that I've mentioned are. But Michigan State's, their recruiting class, salty as always. And they also have some, some youngsters that I think are going to make big time Big time strides, guys that Izzo didn't really trust this year, but when that I mean Ward is a phenomenal player. When they when they went in, they were productive, but Izzo just didn't trust them enough to give them a ton of time. But they are going to be a very very difficult out next year. I think they're going to be right there in the mix for a championship. I mean Ward put up some great numbers. He had almost as many rebounds as did. Bridges, um, just a, a fantastic year. Although Bridges, you know, missed some time, their rebounding totals uh, were similar. He averaged 13.9 points per game, and he was left off the um, All Big Ten rookie team, which I think was probably a little bit of a joke. So he's a great, great player. And that they lose, they lose Bridges, they lose Harris, and they lose Ellis. Harris is not an insignificant loss at 10 points per game. Ellis at 6.4. But I think the Spartans are going to be right there. So this exercise, there's – and Wisconsin. Let me throw Wisconsin out at you. They lose a lot, do the Badgers. And again, as I mentioned earlier, they finished in the top four of the Big Ten 15, 16 years in a row. And I've – said numerous times during that time span, well, this is the year Wisconsin pulls back. I think I've written two or three articles that mention that very phrase, only to have them rise from the dead and make it back to the top four. Uh, Koenig, Bronson Koenig, he's gone. 14.5 points per game, made over 100 three-pointers this year for the Badgers. I think he has the school record holder for threes in a career. Nigel Hayes is gone at 13.8 points per game and 6.6 rebounds per game. Showalter is gone at 8.1 per game. Brown, the singing, the singer, he's gone. Very good rebounder for them. Ethan Happ, he comes back. He's their leading rebounder and second leading scorer. Um, Trice, Iverson, I mean, it's like it's Wisconsin. You don't know who the next wave of guys are going to be, but they're going to be there. But the Badgers returned 20, just 29.3 points per game, 40.7% 40, 40. of their point production. So they have a big hill to dig out of, big hole to dig out of, rather, big hill to climb. 
mixed metaphor there. And I want to sit here and tell you that I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. I think next year is going to be the year that Wisconsin has some bills to pay. Ethan Happ isn't going to have Nigel Hayes on the other side of him taking some heat off of him that he had um, the last couple of years. It's going to be Ethan Happ's show down low. Can he handle it? He's not a good free throw shooter. We know that. I don't think that they're going to do it, but I, I can't not include them in my top seven. Is that disingenuous? Yes. When I make my picks next year, or probably not next year, when I make my picks here this week or next, next week for a way too early Big Ten standings prediction for next year, I probably won't have them in my top four. But I'm going to have them at least in the discussion because they deserve to be. They've earned that at least. So right now, gun to my head, John, you got to predict an order here. I, I, I'll do this way. I would say... I would lean towards Minnesota as having the best team next year, right from the get-go. I think Michigan State isn't going to be far behind them. I think Maryland has an opportunity to hit the ground running as well. And then Iowa and Northwestern are going to be right there. I think the teams that finish in the top five, I think... Michigan State, Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern, Maryland, Purdue, I think they all have a chance to be top 25 teams next year by, say, the middle of December. Wouldn't surprise me if all of them were in the top 25. Then, and maybe even at the end of the year, wouldn't surprise me if the top six teams in the Big Ten next year, and those six, I think, will come from Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan State, Northwestern, Maryland, and Purdue. Wouldn't surprise me if those six teams were seeded anywhere from, you know, two through seven in the NCAA tournament. Maybe not lower than seven. This year, the, the, you know, Purdue had a four seed. They were the lowest four seed. Minnesota had a five seed. And then Michigan had a, what, seven? Wisconsin had an eight. Michigan State was at a nine, something like that. Uh, the Wisconsin, just low-seeded. Next year, I don't think there's going to be that issue. Where this year, the Big Ten, had, as Dace has said, had a very strong middle and a thin upper tier, next year's upper tier is going to be really good. I'm not saying there's a national champion in there anywhere. Wouldn't rule it out, but statistics would say probably not. But I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of really good teams there. Wouldn't surprise me if the Big Ten had four teams that were seeded fourth or better in next year's tournament. And I think there's a possibility with that for Iowa. Now, a fourth or better seed means you're a top 16 team. That may be a little bit much. I mean, I... I mean, Iowa's players are going to get better, too. Tyler Cook is going to be a much more confident and sure player next year. If he can get his... It's interesting with Tyler Cook, just watching him all season long. You would think he was a left-hander as much as he favored going to his left on the block. Teams scouted that, and later on in the year, they were forcing him to his right, and he just wasn't as comfortable, which is really, really weird. Maybe I'm... You know, eating peyote buttons or something, and am dead wrong about that. But I, I watched every game. I watched some of them multiple times. 
and I would focus on Tyler Cook around the basket. And he just felt, he, he just was better when his back was to the basket going to his left side than he was to his right. And teams were beginning to give him his right. He didn't go up as strong and his shot got blocked there. But uh, that guy is going to be a house next year. Cordell Pemsel, that dude doesn't need any more confidence than he already has, but he'll be a much more confident player next year because he knows he can play. He knows he belongs, and he doesn't take crap from anyone. He's the kind of player you love to have on your team, and if he's on the other team, you don't like him because he plays with swagger. You know, And that's something that Wolfgang brought up during one of his Instant Reaction podcasts, that the difference between this year's Iowa team and last year's Iowa team is this year's team had swagger. Last year's team really didn't. Jared Utoff did not have that. Um, Utoff was an incredibly skilled player at Iowa, one of the most versatile skill sets of any Iowa basketball player I can ever remember seeing. And I began watching Iowa that I can remember back in the, uh, the final four year of 1980. Utoff had a, a, a more broad array of skills of any player that I can remember. He just was timid. And that timidity isn't necessarily what you want to see out of your best player, but that's just the way that it was. This Iowa team this year, they weren't timid. They got, you know, spanked several times because they just, you know, the moment was too too big for them or, you know, they were a young team and inconsistent and, and, you know, learned the hard way as a lot of young teams do. But they they didn't lack swagger. They're not going to lack it next year. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Bohannon sweats swagger. And he doesn't back down from anybody. And he just put up one of the best statistical seasons a, a freshman in his Iowa's ever had. You know, you're, you're talking about gonzo statistics for Bohannon. I'm going to look up some numbers here that I put together in a, in a quick stat pack published on March 19th called Statistical Superlatives from the 16-17 Hawkeyes. Bohannon, 89 threes in the season, the fifth best single season ever at Iowa. 175 assists, that's the eighth best single season mark ever at Iowa. We're not talking about freshmen now. He owns the freshman records for both of those and you may not live to see anybody beat those. We're talking all time. So fifth best three total in a season, eighth best single season mark in assist. Tyler Cook averaged 12.25 points per game, and that's the eighth best average for an Iowa freshman in school history. Jordan Bohannon's 372 points were the sixth most ever for an Iowa freshman in school history. Before this season, Iowa had never had more than two freshmen score 200 or more points in the same season. This year, they had four in Bohannon, Cook, Pencil, and Moss. And Bohannon, Cook, and Pencil each had 300 or more, which obviously has never happened. Pemsel shattered the Iowa freshman field goal percentage record at 617%. And I think Tyler Cook is fifth on that mark all time amongst freshmen. Only three Hawkeye players ever have had at least 372 points and 175 assists in a single season. Andre Woolridge did it three times. Jeff Horner did it once. And Jordan Bohannon has done it once. 
Bohannon was 89 of 214 from three this year. It's the second best freshman percentage total ever and way more attempts than any freshman has ever attempted. And it's the fifth most three attempts by an Iowa player ever. That 214. Kingsbury leads the way at 297. Then Justin Johnson, 269. Adam Haluska, 248. Luke Recker, 223. And now Bohannon's 214. Uh, Tyler Cook, end of the year, making 18 of 18 field goals. Just some incredible numbers by these young players. Not to mention the the season that Moss had and and the upside that he has. Or Bear, who's a sophomore. This team has swagger. They don't need to know anymore if they can hang because they now know they can hang. I mean, they beat Purdue. They beat Michigan. They beat uh, Wisconsin. All three of those teams made it to the Sweet 16. Iowa beat them all. Iowa beat Iowa State. I mean, it was a, they should have beat Minnesota. And did they get pounded by some people? Sure, they got pounded at Purdue. Um, got pounded at Northwestern, a game that I blocked out from my memory because I don't ever want to go through something like that again, you know, in the uh, in the mental archives. I mean, as much as anything, I was going to have, you know, a minutes problem next year, but there'll be other podcasts to talk about. You know, Iowa lost a double overtime game at Nebraska, and then they beat Nebraska. Um, Iowa lost a home to Maryland, and then they beat Maryland. Maryland was a ranked team. Maryland won a game in the NCAA tournament. Lost twice to Illinois, though. That one that one ticks me off a little bit. But at any rate, uh, they beat Indiana, and then they lost to Indiana. So don't have to worry about this team in swagger. Ton of production comes back. Still think they're a guard short, but you know we'll see. But as much as anything, no that other teams return a lot of talent to. It's not just Iowa. And all too often as I go through and look at every team's two deep roster for football, I, I discount, I discount, I, I overvalue their losses to graduation and or early NFL entry. I think that that's gonna be far more impactful in a negative way on Iowa's opponents than I do when I value, oh, I was losing C.J. Beathard, but man, Stanley's going to do X, Y, Z. It's probably human nature, but it's a blind spot for me as far as analysis is concerned. And I'm trying to not make it a blind spot anymore. So Iowa returns a great deal next year in basketball, but there are several other teams that do as well, which means it's going to be one heck of a fun Big Ten season next year. And we won't have to... Know, live with this national narrative that the Big Ten is down. I, I thought it was. I thought it was down. My eye test thought it was down. Teams did well in the NCAA tournament. Is that a fair assessment of the league? Probably not. Although you know, when you have John Rothstein, I think he's with CBS, a basketball analyst, saying the ACC is the best conference in the history of mankind, and they made what one or two teams to the Sweet Sixteen. Was it one? That's that's a yo. It's not good. All right, that'll do it. If I keep going from here, I'm going to ramble. Hopefully that was entertaining, illuminating. Illuminating is kind of a stodgy word. Let's not use it then. Strike that. Reverse it. 
But I'm going to have some of these capsules so you can see these numbers with your eyes during the course of the week at HawkeyeNation.com. Hopefully you will enjoy that and it will help you be more informed as we analyze next season. In those capsules, I will have all those seven teams that I named. I will have their entire team roster of statistics, highlighted players who are not coming back, the percentages that I mentioned to you. It will all be there. So you'll be able to see these things as I've told them to you, which uh, may help more than hearing them from me. Thanks, as always, for listening to the HN Podcast. We'll actually be doing maybe more of these, certainly more this offseason than any other offseason. You know, Dace and I will do all our normal, you know, uh, weekly one or two a week that we'll do. Um, I'm going to begin taking my recorder to and from my office job with me so that um, when, when news happens or things happen that I feel like talking about, I can spend 20 or so minutes talking about them on the drive home. And bam, there you have that. And I can come home and I still get to be daddy and uh, not have to run into the office and record something and take time away from my precious daughters. Everybody wins there. Thanks for listening.